Good morning, this is Randy Landry, and this is my 110 podcast in Common Sense and Ramblings in America. Today I'm going to wrap up the reading of my travel book. I have two chapters left to read. Chapter 24 is Lessons Learned, Do's and Don'ts, and Chapter 25 is my memories. So without further ado, let me wrap this up and finish reading my book. I'm sure you're looking forward to the end as much as I am. But after this, then I got the tedious job of uploading and converting it so it'll fit on my WordPerfect platform so I can convert it to PDF. <sighs> Job's never done. I'm going to start this chapter with listing some do's and don'ts for travel that I came across on the net. Then I will wrap it up with some of my own, which are certainly more fun. How to get the most out of your time abroad, 10 do's and don'ts. Do I'm just going to read these. I'm not going to read the whole description of each one a bit much do photocopy your passport don't pay for lodging by wire transfer or cash do use your room safe don't let your phone roam I found that out on the hard way my wife was using roaming for international travel cost me a thousand dollars when I got home I was ready to kill her do try new foods don't talk politics do check out the culture. Don't spend too much time in your room. Uh, my ex-wife did that. Ex-wife number one. Do pack layers. Don't do drugs. She did that as well. That's why she's ex-wife number one. The do's and don'ts when traveling abroad by through crew. You've done it. You've booked the trip for a lifetime. Now, time to brush up on your etiquette before you get, get off on your travels. We've got your back. Whether you're going on a trip around Asia or anywhere else in the world, learn the basics and all our travel etiquette rules can apply for wherever you are. Travel etiquette. When we set off on our travels, we can get so caught up in the excitement of things that we can often forget that we are embarking on not only a trip of a lifetime, but a complete culture shock. Cultural norms within the world's largest continent differ from what you might be used to in the West. So don't let your shoddy etiquette stop you from marveling in Asia's outstanding beauty. Follow a few of our tr simple travel do's and don'ts and get ready to immerse yourself in a different way of life. Travel etiquette the do's. Cover your head when you're in temples or other places of worship. Eat local food. It can be seen as invasive if you get snap happy without checking that you're okay to do so. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Things such as pointing or showing the soles of your feet can be seen as rude in certain cultures. Check the tipping etiquette for the particular country you're in. Some cultures see it as an insult. Learn the lingo. Make it your mission to pick up a few words, hello, please, and thank you, in the native tongue. It'll go a long way for the locals. Bartering is a way of life in Asia, especially at markets. Just try to enjoy the experience and don't be rude. Remove your shoes before entering someone's home, even some shops do. Keep an eye out of signs asking this and always comply. When you're paying for something in Vietnam, use both hands to pass the money. Travel etiquette the don'ts. Lose your temper. Pass item over another person's head. Know your place and don't sit any higher than your host if you're invited to someone's house. Try to keep both feet firmly on the floor. Sole of the feet exposed as bad manners. Both hands in your pockets may be perceived as you being angry, even if you're not. Touching someone else's head, cheek, or hair is considered rude, 
Never use your fingers to point at people when you want their attention. PDA alert, hugging or kissing your significant other in public can be frowned upon. Pay special attention to this cultural taboo if you travel to Vietnam, Indonesia, or Malaysia, and keeping the loving or behind closed doors. Using your feet to point to things, especially an image of Buddha, is a big no-no. More do's and don'ts when traveling abroad. Don't carry and publicly show large amounts of cash or money or exchange currency at places that do not appear safe and secure. Walk with a purse or bag loosely over one shoulder. Go to places not listed on your itinerary. Mock or poke fun of the culture and people around you. Do beware of your surroundings. Only carry as much cash as needed. Lock up valuables. Memorize your passport number. Oh, God. Memorize your credit card number even worse. Dress appropriately for a destination. Follow the buddy system. Have fun. Now that I've covered the boring and more mundane travel tips, let's discuss some of the things that I've learned. Some of these I have already discussed, so I will just touch base on them here. I spent the entire book discussing the do's, so let's concentrate on Randy's don'ts. Randy's 20 travel don'ts. One, don't drink any water, but bottle water no matter how to where you are. And what they say about the cleanliness of the water, you already know what happened to me in Mexico. Don't piss off the natives. By this, I mean don't slam your car door when you're moving your car doing a campsite parking lot. While it may feel good to work off a little steam, all it does is make your life more difficult. Even though the travel park owner was a prick, I could have handled the situation a little better in the Grand Tetons, but where is the fun in that? Don't get too close to the brown bears. You might remember that I mentioned photographing bears raiding a dumpster in Yosemite. What I failed to mention was that I got too close to the bear and I was reprimanded by a park stranger who just happened to be standing to the side out of my line of sight. Stinky bastard. Don't get too close to moose, no matter what their size, especially running males. I was lucky that he had his attentions directed somewhere else. I would have really gotten my ass kicked by him. Don't shut your car door before you have the damn keys in hand. You already know what happened to me on my California road trip. Little asterisk by this one. Don't eat a heavy meal. Maybe a little fried food before you go on a boat ride in choppy seas. I did this on my weekend. First weekend live aboard in the Channel Islands. Yes, this was the same trip that I experienced my mask flooding. As soon as we left the calm of the channel, we started hitting four, five and six foot waves. Approximately 30 minutes after that, I started turning all different shades of green. I went up to the back of the boat and tried to keep my eyes on the ever dwindling shoreline. Meanwhile, I tossed about five dozen cookies that night. At least I wasn't alone in my misery because another Martian traveler was competing with me in a new Olympic sport on what, who could get the most distance with his vomit. I have to admit, I think he had me beat. Don't actually carry the kitchen sink in your backpack. You really don't need three kinds of water purifiers in your backpack. And maybe carrying that camping stool with you might have been a bit much. If you can't pick up, pack, pick up your backpack, you might want to consider making it a little lighter. Just maybe. No matter how well you think you know a hiking trail, wait until you can actually see before you start your hike. Case in point, my third Havasu hike. Don't wear lightweight shoes when you are carrying a heavy backpack. I did. Well, let me clarify this. When I tried to do the Trans-Zion Trek, there's a portion where you have to ford several small streams, so I switched out my hiking boots for a pair of Mesh River shoes. This worked out okay for a while until it ended up to be six miles of fording streams. By then, my arches just about gave out, and I was limping even when I put my hiking boots back on. This trip just seemed to be full of don'ts. 
On our first day, we started our 10-mile hike at 4 in the afternoon, so we hiked till 10 p.m. that night. We never did find our campsite that night. I was so exhausted, I just opened up my tent and threw it on the ground unmade and rolled out my sleeping bag on it. We did not realize that I did this on a hill, mainly because I couldn't find see a fucking thing. So I ended up in the morning having slid about 10 feet from my original spot, and I slept through the night. Also, don't start a 15-mile day at 9 in the morning, and then don't take a one-hour lunch break. Are you getting the picture that my hiking buddy didn't want to do this hike? I was stuck because he was a planner. I had no clue where the hell I was going, so we ended up canceling the hike halfway through the second day. Another hiking don't is do not do the rim-to-rim hike in the Grand Canyon in the middle of the summer. It's just too freaking hot. I don't know how many lives I have, but I did die of heat and exhaustion on this one as well. Another thing not to do is don't hike around Lake Mead in the middle of the summer. First, there is simply no natural shade where we were hiking. We lay under bushes to get out of the sun. Again, we almost died of heat exhaustion. I don't want to think that I am an inexperienced hiker. I'm just an idiot who thinks he is still a teenager. Don't drive a street van into wet and soft ground. If there is water on the dirt road, you should really, really not try to drive on it, especially if you're pulling a trailer. I repeat, no, especially if you're pulling a trailer. This took place the first time we tried to use our kayaks. Needless to say, we never got them in the water. The next day, we finally got a tow truck out in the middle of nowhere to pull us out of the quagmire that we found ourselves in. It took over two hours to pull us through tractor pull mud pit. Don't try to paddle kayaks for the first time on a body of water when it is 1D out. No matter how hard my wife paddled, she could not make any headway. If it wasn't for the help of four very nice retired Special Forces veterans, we would still be out there wallowing on Lake Mead. Don't take any kind of vehicle, especially one with a trailer attached to it up a windy mountainous road with an angle of incline over 10 degrees at night. When I started rolling backwards down the road while on four-wheel drive, I about shit my pants. Thank God I was able to back into a private driveway or I was able to turn around and go back down that road. I can't even remember why the hell I was on that damn road in the first place. If number 14 wasn't bad enough, I tried doing a similar maneuver on another road this time, and it wasn't daylight. You know what? It wasn't any better than today. You may recall my tale of trying to turn around on top of the mountain. Another thing you should never do is take a helicopter ride with someone who gets car sick. Not a good idea at all. Don't take a tour boat ride around Horseshoe Bend when it's raining. It kind of sucks. In my defense... It almost never rains in Nevada. Well, I was in Arizona, and it does rain there. When we started on the ride, the sky looked okay. Well, that could change quickly, and it did. So, oh my God, did we get cold. You also may remember me telling you about acting as a tour guide for my wife's friend. Well, you guessed that she was on the boat with us as well. When we finally got back to our campsite, all went exhausted. What did I find? I found my tent all knocked down and floating in the water. So guess where we spent our night sleeping? Yep, you guessed it, in my pickup truck. When you go on a cruise, don't try and do two excursions in one day at your layovers. It is just too much. I know you want to see everything and do everything because you're excited. But you know what? They are all cheesy and really are not worth doing in the first place. Don't overplan a trip. I had my trip to Thailand so booked up that it wasn't even funny. We were six days in Phuket and every day was tied up. I asked my girlfriend if she could swim. Well, don't trust a Thailander to tell you the truth. They will tell you anything you want to hear because they are afraid of disappointing you. So I spent a ton of money hiring a private scuba trainer so that my girlfriend could try diving. Well, that was money well spent and dripping sarcasm. I also changed the place that we were diving to make it easier and safer for her to dive in. By this, I mean boring with nothing to see. 
I should have just left my plans the way they were originally made and dove where I wanted and let her stay at the hotel. This goes for several of my trips. Don't try to save money by picking a cheaper hotel that is a thousand miles away from the places you want to see. And I know I did this in Phuket, Thailand. I repeated it in British Columbia. We had a great place to stay, but it was over 10 miles away from the city. Ended up costing us nearly $100 a day to tool back and forth by taxi to do the things we wanted to do. We could have stayed right in the middle of the city in a nice hotel for a lot less. Trust me, there are a lot more things that I've done wrong on my trips than the ones I have listed here. I have just scratched the surface, maybe asking me how I am still alive and also why do I put myself through the misery that I do. You know what? I really don't have a good answer. However, in my final chapter, I will hopefully be able to give you a reasonable explanation of why I do the things I do. And for that little asterisk I put, a more complete version of this can be found in chapter 19. Do, 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 do. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. This is the last chapter of my final book about my life. I promise I'm not going to do any more books about my life. I really, truly, truly, truly mean this. My parents seemed to love to travel, even with my father's poor health. When every summer came around, we would hit the road. When my siblings were out of school, and yes, even me, they would try and plan a trip of some kind. Before I was born, my parents made a long road trip to California back. I have discussed this trip in my previous books. After I was born, we took a ill-fated trip to Mexico where I drowned and was revived, where I also got deathly sick from the water. No matter what happened in those trips, it did not seem to dampen the desire to travel and see new things. After my mother remarried, she continued to travel in her RV, and when that became a little too much for them, they switched to taking cruises. On my mother's 80th birthday, we took her to Nashville, Tennessee to see her beloved country stars performing the Grand Ole Opry. It was the last major trip she took. Later on, she and her sister did make a few short trips to visit my brother in Georgia to visit him when he was feeling poorly. I guess I was bitten by that travel bug as well. You know what the trips I took when I was a child and teenager? Even though our destinations were somewhat limited for a while, I was still nice to get out on the road. Despite the fact that we just went straight up north and back for these familiar visitations, we did see a few interesting things along the way. I even did poke my nose out of my books to look out the back window of Winnebago to see the countryside once in a while. Besides, we did have to get off the high main highways occasionally before we could connect to other highways. My mother even stopped at a scenic overlook once in a while when she needed to stretch her legs out some. Since she did it now about 95% of the driving in the trips, we were on her time schedule and at her mercy. I guess my desire to see the country took full blossom after I purchased the following set of picture books. I would pore over these books for hours. I would fill them full of bookmarks for places that I wanted to see. These books made it on quite a few road trips. To my untrained eye, those photos looked amazing. Uh, I've been a photographer for many years. The photos have aged a bit. However, I honestly believe these two books really made me into the traveler that I am today. They were Landscapes of America, and I have it posted on my blog and in my book. Over the years, I bought more travel books and videos. And after I bought my first forehead Emerson VCR, what a piece of crap it was. Eventually, I was able to afford to buy my JVC VCRs, two of which I still own to this day. In answer to your question, I still have those old video travel tapes, and those VCRs still work. I also still have my double-deck tape player and recorder and my turntable. My two Pino receivers still rock the house when I watch my movies. Old habits are hard to break. Back to travel stuff. I still remember my first plane trip like it was yesterday. It was on United Airlines and ate a hamburger and fries for dinner on the trip. 
Don't forget that United Winged Pin that made me an honorary pilot. I was even pinned. It was even pinned to my small chest by a pretty stewardess. They were called stewardesses back then. It was a direct flight from Rochester, New York to Birmingham, Alabama. Airlines back then had a lot more direct flights, not like today, where they are less common. You also got meals in these flights, not snacks or lunch boxes that you have to pay extra for. I made dozens of flights since then. In one very bad year, I made a total of six plane trips to Florida because both my oldest brother and my stepfather died and my mother had surgery for breast cancer. I guess you can say that travel's become a major part of my life. My garage is full of all kinds of goodies for outdoor and adventure travel. I also have several cameras and lenses dedicated to travel. Uh, those cameras too are set up for underwater photography. I've also lost track of how many suitcases and duffel bags I have either owned or still have. I now have two web pages full of travel photos and I'm currently writing a travel book. The biggest thing I have taken from my travels is my memories. Luckily, at least for now, I still have them. But when even those start to fade, I'll be able to look back at my photos. I will reminisce about all the good times I had with my family on these travels. I will also be able to go back in time and relive all these adventures that I enjoyed, which reminds me that I need to get off my ass and digitize all those rolls of film and slides and upload to my web pages. I hope you have enjoyed my travel book. I certainly was fun working on it. If I am lucky, you will find all the information I crammed in it to be of some use. God bless, take care, and be safe on all of your journeys. That's it, folks.